1: Just after 10 o'clock, you're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM, the world football program. You're listening to Hugh Best here, the host. And joining me in the studio today is the world's greatest wingman, Pete Skelia. (laughs) How are you today, Pete?
2: Uh Good, good, thanks you. Good,
1: good. I uh, see so you survived the uh, Oktoberfest okay?
2: I did, I did. I was sort of more just chuckling over the pronunciation of my name. So uh, <laughs> Penny's finally got it right after four years, but you and I are going to have to work on this a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, I've got plenty of time to work on that. <laughs> well, in today's show, we've got uh, a packed show. We've got uh, Mark Wignall coming up very, very shortly. He's going to uh, talk about his new role as the head coach of Perth SC. So that's going to be very, very exciting. So those of you who know Mark from his playing days will see that that's going yep. to be a very exciting uh, stage for Perth and their upcoming season. After that, we will be talking with Molly Appleton, Tasmanian-based journalist and uh, creator of Molly's Football Rants. So she's always got an opinion, all three, to, to share with everyone.
2: And she's probably been missing travelling for a while as well. I, would I bet. I so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor bugger. Uh,
1: Then we'll have a chat with uh, Danielle Brogan, who's just been made uh, the uh, Women's Director of Football at Perth. So uh, with thanks to Gary Merocchi there, he uh, graciously allowed both of those, uh, Mark and Danielle, to have a chat with us today. And then finally, as we discussed off air, there's always a subidio content when (laughs) I'm in the chair and in control of things. We will be talking to the Federation of International Sports Table Football, mr steve Detry from sydney and he'll talk to us about all things sabudio related and how things are happening with uh, COVID lockdown not just here in australia but also across the world because it's had a fairly big impact uh in that respect the uh, italian world cup in rome which was initially due to be held in september 2020 how, still how hasn't taken do they have place the
2: world cup for sabudio
1: Every two years. It used to be every year. Um, So the 2018 World Cup that I went to in Gibraltar, that was when they then moved it to uh, every second year. So that every – as it should have been, every even year was the World Cup. Every odd year would be the um, Confederations Cup, for for one of a better phrase. So uh, for us, the Asian Cup. So 2018 was the World Cup. 2019 was the Asian Cup. 2020 should have been the the World Cup in Rome. But, we uh,
2: we could probably save this for, for Steve, but just just question for my own curiosity. Go. When you go to a World Cup mm-hmm. like that, do you compete as yourself or do you compete as Australia? Oh, as Australia. As Australia. So, so there's only one one team, so to speak, from uh, Australia. Well, the way
1: it works, there's categories. But again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Steve about that one yeah, for, sure. without getting too far down to, into that one. We'll get into some World Cup news while I uh, tee up Mr Wignall, um, because being that I'm in the chair and... Don't have the experience of, uh, of, of somebody to, to help me. In. As I said to, uh, to a few others, no safety net today. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm flying.
2: We're flying high with no safety net. <laughs> yeah,
1: the parachutes are broken.
2: Yeah, you look you look a bit uh, yeah, clenched, yeah, shall we say.
1: Yeah, 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 but that'll only get worse as the day goes on. <laughs> All right, so I'll uh, pa- pass you over to uh, to Pete and he'll go through some World Cup news and, uh, and a few other news items that you may have missed during the week while I tee up Mark Wignall.
2: Okay, uh, over in uh, World Cup qualifying, as we know, everyone was watching the uh, Socceroos uh, unfortunately lose this week, and there was a lot of lot of talk about that when we pulled it back to one all. Should we have played for the win? Should we have pushed on?
1: Well, I mean, th- five minutes before the end, at an own goal. That's a that's a harsh way to 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 lose a game. But I mean, the <laughs> I mean, Japanese I mean, Jaf- I mean, Jaf- I mean, us. So I-, I was oh, yeah, very surprised yeah. because they had been on a pretty poor. Yeah, they were on really form. bad form. But, geez, they grew an extra leg. They always do when they play us. <laughs> Unbelievable. One day we'll play them and they'll just fall over and we'll get a six-nil win.
2: That'd be nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As as is Bayage had a had a shocker. No disrespect to him, but you know he was he was at fault for the first goal, and while well, the second one came in off him, although I suspect even if it hadn't, of the Japanese were ready there to uh, there ready to tap it in. Um, and obviously with the benefit of hindsight, okay, maybe we should have uh, played for the draw. But at the at the time, looked like we were. It could have gone either way and we could have come away with the three points, which would have set us up very nicely for qualifying. And I guess if you're going to draw on the positives of that, we were so we we're so far ahead in the group uh, that we still could afford the loss and keep going. Uh, so anyway, the results from our group in World Cup qualifying this week was Japan 2-1 over Australia, uh, Oman 3-1 over Vietnam and Saudi Arabia squeaked the 3-2 win over China. Uh, So the table is currently Saudi Arabia's top with four wins out of four games. Uh, We're second with three wins. Oman is sitting in the sort of the advanced to fourth round stage at the moment. So they're still ahead of Japan purely on goals scored. Mm. And then down the bottom of the table, uh, China and Vietnam. uh, And we've got uh,
1: Saudi Arabia. Saudi
2: Arabia is our last game, which I believe the FFA is trying to get held in Australia. Um, which which makes sense because our last couple of home game yeah, home games I'm saying that in inverted <laughs> quotes which you can't see if you're listening but um, were played in Qatar which worked out fantastic for us because it's a great pitch and it, it suited us but obviously when you're Saudi Arabia traveling Qatar isn't traveling to Qatar isn't much of an away no, game no. so. we sort of would lose, I I feel, the home ground advantage over that. And I feel if we really wanted to, if if the FFA wanted to put full emphasis into winning the game, they'd uh, host the game down in Tasmania or somewhere really cold just to (laughs) throw the Saudis off. We know it won't be. It'll be in Sydney where they can get a big crowd. But I I often feel uh, that the FFA and Soccer Australia, even before then, never put as much emphasis into hosting games where we can get an advantage Um, You know, playing it in humid conditions. We, you know, we've got Australia's got all sorts of climates. We can go anywhere from Darwin and North Queensland, or or even Brisbane is is fairly hot and humid, down to you know Tasmania where it's cold. And I feel that the FFA at times overlooks that and just goes for wherever they can get the most money, which yeah, obviously money yeah. makes the world go around. Of course it does, yeah. But there's times you, I feel they should take it into consideration. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the uh, next set of qualifying for our group happens next month. Uh, we're hosting Saudi Arabia, as as mentioned, and hopefully we will be in Australia, uh, China against Oman and Vietnam at home to Japan. In the other group, in the other Asian group, the uh, results this week were Iran and South Korea, who are the two teams top of the group, played out a one-all draw. Uh, Jeez, in, that's, in
1: that's very handy for both of them, wasn't that it?
2: That is indeed. So there, well, yeah.
1: Uh, that's got the highlights of the uh, the Austria-Germany uh, 82 World Cup result,
2: yeah? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't quite locked in like that. Yeah. Uh, United Arab Emirates and Iraq played out a two-all draw. And Lebanon came away with a 3-2 win over Syria. So in that group there, Iran and South Korea, who are the two teams you yeah, expect yeah. to go through, uh, are sitting top. Interestingly, Lebanon is uh, the team in third place wow. in looking at advancing at the moment, uh, ahead of the UAE, Iraq, and Syria. But it, it must be said, the bottom four teams Lebanon's had one win, but uh, United Arab Emirates, Iraq, and Syria all on no wins and a few draws each. Hmm.
1: Well, that, that, yeah, again, I try not to, yeah, you have that interest in your group and what's going on there. And, um, yeah, I haven't really been over the top of the. Um, the, the second group... Yep. Well, like I said, I mean, you expected um, Iran,
2: Iran... Iran and South Korea are the ones you did sort to, of... To go, qualify.
1: Yeah, they're going through. Easy as. Yeah, I always and, and I probably
2: would have thought United Arab Emirates for third. They've, they've been to a World yep. Cup before, as oh, has Iraq. That's right. Um, Lebanon and Syria never Yeah, been. I
1: always thought our group was probably the, the toughest of the lot because you look at that and you think, well, Japan... Traditionally, yep, and then
2: the Saudi Arabia, yeah, and yep.
1: then you yeah. know China, are, are a sleeping nation, <coughs> and Australia should get out of that group. But you're thinking, yeah, but uh, where?
2: Especially with Japan having such a poor yeah, run of form, yeah, which yeah, no, you know good, we, we obviously reversed for, for them now. But yep. um, yep. Well, although how good was heuristics goal?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it was a beauty. Anyway, that's, uh, thank you very much for that, Pete. We're going to go to a quick break. We'll get uh, Mark Wignall on after that and stay with us. You're with 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program. Stay with us. 107.9 FM, your
2: local station. 107.9
3: FM.
4: Rose, a junior trainee at Ozwest Fencing and Raw I am the fourth generation of our family business. Ozwest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customized materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas. Or visit our online galleries at www.auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au
1: Station Sponsor Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor.
3: Hi,
5: I'm Penny tanner It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed but the content filled with passion news, characters and history has not. The world football team are all volunteers and we appreciate you listening in 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle if you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website the world football program.
0: The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. We are one, but
1: we are Welcome back. You've got uh, Huey and Pete.
2: Yep. Got a bit of an echo here.
1: And on mine. Okay, well, let's go uh, to the lines. Can you hear me, Mark Wignall? No. Um, no. Okay. Uh, Pete, jump in as the wingman. I'll get Mark back. <laughs> All right,
2: No. Noah, I think you've you've killed us now. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. All right. Never mind. So anyway, in other World Cup qualifying news, the World Cup is a boon for geography nerds like me because you get to look at all these countries on the world and see how they're doing. Uh, We're going to jump over to North America, CONCACAF. The regular teams there you'd expect – well, sorry, history says uh, Mexico, United States and Costa Rica are the ones that tend to get through most often. Uh, And in the results this week, we've had – United States had a 2-1 win at home over Costa Rica. Canada had a 4-1 win over Panama. Jamaica, 2-0 away win over Honduras. And Mexico, 2-0 away win over El Salvador. All of the teams in the group have been to the World Cup at least once before. Um, But the way the standings are currently, Mexico's top of their group. United States are second. Canada, interestingly, is third. So Canada's been to the World Cup once before and we're certainly hoping to see them there again. Uh, Panama's fourth. uh, Costa Rica, Jamaica, El Salvador and Honduras, bottom of the group. Um, As we know, El Salvador and Honduras actually went to war once over a World Cup goal, but I think we're ready to go back to Mark, so we'll just leave that hanging there then. Let's hope so. Hello, Mark. No, we don't have Mark. Hello, Mark. Oh. Okay. And going on to more World Cup qualifying over in Europe. We've actually got our first couple of teams confirmed, other than the hosts, um, Qatar, obviously. We've had our first couple of teams confirmed with Germany and Denmark locking in their uh, tickets to the World Cup. So the results that have gone through this week were uh, Denmark in their group won 1-0 over Austria. Scotland had a 1-0 win over the Faroe Islands. They left it very late, 86th minute. Uh, And Israel 2-1 over Moldova. So that group sees Denmark locked in top spot and definitely going to the World Cup. As we know, teams that finish second go to a playoff. And so currently it's Scotland and Israel Um, uh, battling out for second spot. And at the moment, it looks like Scotland. So we could see the Scots back at the World Cup, which would be good as well. Uh, Austria, apparently, although they're fourth, have a chance to qualify via uh, uh, playoffs as a Nations League winner, which I have to confess, I have no idea what that means because I haven't followed how the Nations League ties in to it. And...
1: Fourth time Lucky. Fourth time Lucky, here we go.
2: Hello, Mark. Can you hear me? Meanwhile, in Group J, as I was saying, Germany have also locked in their uh, berth for the World Cup with a 4-0 away win over North Macedonia, which was beautiful revenge for them as North Macedonia had inflicted a shock 2-1 win over Germany Early earlier. And are we good now? No. No? All right. Uh, in the other games in that group, Iceland had a 4-0 win over Liechtenstein and Romania 1-0 over Armenia. So, as we say, Germany's locked in top spot. Uh, Romania, North Macedonia and Armenia. And even Iceland's still in with a chance for second spot. And uh, how are we going now?
1: <sighs> Let's find out. Hello, Mark. Can you hear me? Hi, oh, you. Here we oh, go. <laughs> sensational. Mark, sorry about that. It's uh it, That's it, right. it's the trainee uh not being able to press the buttons correctly. Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Uh thank no, you again, no, Pete, for uh, for filling in there. Uh no ah, congratulations on your new appointment. Can you um, give our listeners a bit of a, uh, a background to yourself and uh and how you actually got into this position?
6: Uh look, um from my point of view, uh I played uh obviously I come out from England as a, a teenage and um, uh, ended up at Perth Soccer Club uh, under Gary Marocchi, um who was the coach uh, at that time. He was a coach of, uh, at the under-18s uh, level, so I played under him for that and progressed into the senior team. So um, that was back in the uh, early 90s. So from there on, you know, I was lucky enough to be included in the Australian Under 20 side and uh, into an inaugural Perth Glory side. I spent a bit of time in Singapore with Simba Wang Rangers, and um, uh, yeah, and then I decided uh, due to injuries and stuff like that to concentrate on the coaching side of things. So um, I came back to Perth Soccer Club in 2016 um, with Gareth Naven. He uh, then moved on to uh, Melbourne Victory Youth side and. Ramon came in and we've had some success for the last four or five years uh, as a, a coaching team. So, um, yeah, now the opportunity has come there to uh, take the first team and uh, i thought, you know what, well, why not? Um, it's a club that I've obviously got a, a, a fond um, relationship with and, uh, you know, we we'll hopefully get a few more young players through the system.
1: Sensational. So how's the uh, retention happening at the moment and uh, do you have any uh any feelers out for recruitment
6: oh look um, we sort of uh, it, was, it was it was fairly uh, uh late process this year um like i said uh, everything that uh, happened prior to myself was uh was uh, a bit late in the year so um We've been up against it a little bit as far as recruitment goes. But, you know, I'm confident with what we've had in the reserves in the 18s and a few additional boys uh, outside the club that we're in talks with um, that we'll be able to field a competitive side and hopefully um, still be up there.
1: Well, that's great news. And I see that um, Dale's been appointed your assistant. How did that come about? I mean, brotherly love? Was it a case of what you know, not who you know? (laughs) (laughs)
6: <laughs> <laughs> no, look. To, to, be, to be fair to you, like I say, it, it, it was um, a situation where uh, Scott Miller, who's obviously done a wonderful job at Coburn over the last few years, um, him and him and Dale were obviously involved with the first team there uh, the last uh, three or four years. Um, but they do a wonderful job at Coburn with uh, with their budgets and, and the players that they have there. So for me, I, I when, when I knew. Obviously, I was going to be involved in Perth at the, the first-team level, I um, and, and Scott obviously resigned from his position. It became uh, a, an opportunity for me to say to Dale, you know, if, if you're interested, he obviously played his junior football at Perth as well, uh, That's right, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. 16s, 18s, and then straight into the first team as well. So um, I said to him, you know, if, if yourself and Scott aren't, aren't planning or, or doing anything together, you know, if you'd like to come on board at first... Um, yeah, come and give me a hand. So, you know, it's worked out that way. So, like I say, it was all uh, uh, very much uh, last-minute plans in, in this uh,
2: situation. Uh, there's always pressure for a new coach, but coming in as coach of a team that's won the league and won the final, the, the top four cup, um, is there any extra pressure, like, pressure on you? Are you, <laughs> are you feeling sort of, you know, more than more than you'd expect?
6: Uh you know, what's pre- pressure? Pressure is probably the world that we live in uh, now as far as social media stuff and pandemics and all that. Yeah. Um, this is a passion. This is a love. We always want to do well at those sort of things. But, you know, uh, uh, it, as far as the holistic approach to it goes, you know, this is this is enjoyment. It's recreation. Like I said, we all, all want to win because that's our, that's our passion. But, you know, there's a lot bigger things in the world uh, as far as pressure goes. True, true.
1: So, uh, Mark, your your time with the, the Perth Kangaroos, uh, mm. h- how how was that? I mean, that was the the precursor to the Perth Glory, and um, you know, sort of put a bit of pressure on the the governing body at the time that uh, had that impression that our state and our city couldn't support a a side of, of that calibre. I mean, you guys were all conquering.
6: Yeah, I I very ha- I had limited. Um, uh, uh, involvement with Perth Kangaroos, uh, just in the initial state. I was actually, I'd finished up with the Australian youth team oh, uh, in '93 like... and and had some uh, ongoing problems, injuries and stuff like that. So my my um, total impact on the Perth Kangaroos was just in the pre-season era. Um, I didn't go on to actually play for them,
3: oh, uh, okay. whereas, my bro- hmm.
6: whereas my brother did. So and he had a successful but. In saying what you're saying, yeah. Look, that was a, it. Was sort of a entree to the NSL back then. Um, we were we were spoiled um, for choices as far as footballers go. We had a hungry bunch of footballers. Myself, my brother, uh, Gareth Naven, Craig Naven, Paul Strudwick, uh, Scott Millar. Yep. That were all capable of playing at the next level. Um, and you know, it was the, it was the platform for those players to go into Asia and and and. Uh, perform and you know what they carried it on the 96-97 NSL season at Perth Glory. So Gary um, Gary was obviously involved in those two sides, and you know it just made it feel all the more um, uh, warming that there was a lot of players that identified with WA at, at that time.
1: Yep, yeah, yeah. No, it was a t- terrific era, um, one that uh, is often overlooked in the um, in the progression of Perth Glory to the. To the powerful club that it has become.
3: Yep. Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. Definitely, those uh, early footprints uh, were were what it is made today. I mean, you, you probably wouldn't recognise it now from where it started, but um, we had guys that were obviously good footballers back then, and like I say, hungry because they knew they could play at a higher level, and given the opportunity, they 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 done very well for the state and glory.
2: Yeah, there is uh, for anyone interested in the Perth Kangaroos football. WA has a very good uh, write up on the the Perth Kangaroos and the season they they played in the Singapore Premier League, which was you know originally it was it was sort of planned as a Southeast Asian Super League. Um, yeah, yep. there was a team from Perth, there was a team from Darwin, uh, and then other teams from from Southeast Asia. Uh, it, it obviously faltered and never took off, and and so on. But uh, and. For what it's worth, the the Kangaroos won that season. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, so. yeah no, and uh, they played a few games out of Darwin as well, yeah. which um, um, was interesting because yeah, was, I think
6: uh, it was a wonderful experience for all the boys that yeah. were involved in that. You know, and yeah. and, and again through hardships, uh, financial hardships through the year, and and you know you've got to take your hat off to the the pioneers in in all areas, but especially with the Kangaroos that they they've done it tough. Um, obviously, Nick Farmer came in. A, with his consortium and, and uh, finished off the uh, the season for the Perth Kangaroos. But Gary, Rocky, Mickey Brennan, uh, they really kept on driving it. Whatever was going on outside, the players that were involved, you know, that that's the way football was. And, and you know, um, they, they were wonderful, wonderful for the state and wonderful for um, uh, the Perth Kangaroos.
1: So... What style do you uh, envisage your team will play at Perth? Do you have uh, well, a, a set formation? Well, we, we, you know, we're going to go a four-four-three, 4, four three, a, a diamond we're, formation, we're go six forwards. What's happening?
6: What? <laughs> uh, you, you, you know what? I, in my philosophy in football, we all have a wonderful philosophy yeah. in how we see and how we think and how we, we want football to be played. I, I believe where we're at now... Um, we want to create good footballers, you know. That obviously that leads to success. So m- my initial thing is is yeah, you know, we want to be progressive. We want to be aggressive as well. So you know, there isn't there isn't it's horses for courses. You know, you can't put uh, uh, square pegs in a round holes. So we'll see when preseason comes the the cattle that we've got and uh, what they're good at, what they're not good at, and and if that coincides with the way I want to approach things and the way Dale wants to approach things, then then that's the way forward. But um, we've got to be optimistic, we've got to be realistic, and uh, and hopefully we can get a um, uh, uh, a result at the end of the day.
2: Well, progressive and aggressive. That I like the sound <laughs> of that. that. That sounds like something you could put up on the, uh, the changing room walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got to hear
1: So, Mark, uh, the... Uh, Perth have got uh, the Junior Boys uh, League trials coming up this Thursday, uh, the 21st. Um, you're looking for 13s, 14s, 15s. Uh, can you, uh, do you wish to promote that?
6: Yeah, look, I think I think it's important um, with any club uh, and any focus that when you're at the top level at so the first-team level, I think the, the foundation that you lay is, is very much important. I mean, at first-team level, yeah... You know, technique's important. for that's all, the foundations are all laid you know, at 10, 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. 14. You know, that's when those foundations are laid. I mean, to develop a player, it isn't just a one a one year, two year process. You know, it's five, six years, seven years, possibly even longer that that process takes place. So when they come to the first team, those aspects are, are, are part and parcel of the makeup of that footballer. And all you do is. You give opportunity to young players and you sharpen up all their, their qualities and, and add to that, you know, um, the tactical now of uh, what's involved in being a first-team footballer. So, yep. you know, it's, those age groups are very important um, in the progression of the
1: footballer. And will you be overseeing that or, or will you be leaving that in the hands well, of, uh, say, someone like very, Basil Lenzo? Yeah,
6: no, look, we've got very capable people. we I mean, I was speaking about Nick Tarner. So, Vince Tarner's there in a vice president slash uh, football operations uh, role there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a lot of involvement with the juniors over the last uh, four, five, four years. Um, Jason moroki who's Gary Moroki's nephew, has taken a, a big uh, position as far as the club goes. He was um, part of the board members, uh, the head of the board, so... Look, they're all there. There's good people involved with the juniors at Perth, and um, yeah, I think that sort of takes care of itself. I'm, I'm always there or having a look at the juniors and what's coming through. Anyway, so uh, for me, like I say, it, with with the way uh, technology is now, just, even the 13 and <laughs> 14 games are
2: on YouTube. So, so it's, it's not hard to watch
1: games. Yeah, no, that's a dirty word for me at the moment. Technology. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're going to keep him on as long as you can so you don't have to try to get another caller on, are you?
1: (laughs) Now, uh, Mark, we really do appreciate your time this morning. And as I say, we'd like to thank uh, Perth uh, for – and particularly Gary Morocchi for allowing you uh, to be on our show. We certainly uh, always have have appreciated the support that – Your club has given this show and we wish you a very, very long and prosperous career in your new role as head coach at Perth SC. Yeah,
3: look,
6: uh, thanks very much. You know, great program um, to be involved in and uh, long, mate, continue. And thanks very much for your your, uh, kind wishes. Thanks, Pete. Thanks,
1: Gary. Thank you very much for your kind words. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. And that was Mark Wignall the newly appointed head coach at Perth SC, and he, um, he's he got a, a huge, huge background of uh, a technical expertise and, and, yeah. and good things ahead.
2: Yeah. And uh, that leads in nicely to uh, on Thursday night, the Football West had the NPLWA Awards Night. Yep. Um, Tia Stonehill yes. from Mum FC and Calvin Whitney from Perth SC mm-hmm. were the women's and men's winners respectively. Uh, I won't run through every single award, but I'll put I'll put a link up on the Facebook group. You could, if if you, you have trouble with yeah. the phones, I'll start reading out all the winners.
1: Exactly. So uh, you just keep that page <laughs> I'll, open. I'll keep that page open, but we'll link it on the <laughs> on the
2: website if you're looking for a, a, a look, look at um, who's who's uh, won what and what was achieved.
1: Yep, you bet, and and well done to Tearstone, who I I, th- I think that was uh, was either her or. Um or Larry from uh, uh, Northern Redbacks that would, would have to have been close to getting th- that one.
2: I think they were tight. Uh tied for a top goal scorer in the WNPL as well. Yeah, that's right. Yes, they were. Yeah. yeah. All
1: right, well, uh, stick with us. Um, We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Molly Appleton, the Tasmanian-based journalist and creator of Molly's Rants, and we will have a chat to her. So please bear with me if I do uh, have a few things go pear-shaped again, but uh, stick with us. 107.9 FM, Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme. Welcome back to Radio Fremantle, the world football program. And these technical issues are still ongoing. So let me see if I can tee that up again. we we'll get our sponsors on there. Greg Farrell from Futsal WA. Uh, he'll be very disappointed if I can't get this to work. What?
2: And in the meantime, we'll go back to a few World Cup uh, results again. And England, everyone follows England, whether they want them to win or lose. Uh, England are still sitting top of their group in Group I uh, with 20 points out of eight games. Uh, After this week's result for them was a one all home draw against Hungary, which is a bit of a surprise result. More importantly, Poland had a 1-0 away win over Albania, so we slash they are now locked into, well, not locked in, but up into second spot. And Andorra had a a lovely 3-0 win over San Marino. So England are sitting top of their group and, Probably looking like going through. Uh, Poland and Albania still battling it out for second spot in that group. Find
1: Find all the parts.
2: And I think we've got our ads happening.
1: Yep, no, I've worked out what I've done wrong there. I don't know how that happened. All right, let's get that on the go. Your special part, gate and fence hardware, WA. Station sponsor. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM
7: West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport at all levels Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's, or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest-growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au
5: I'm Penny Tanner-Hoth. It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia, morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content, filled with passion, news, characters and history, has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers, and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website, and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find the membership form on our new website, The World Football Program.
1: And welcome back to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, one hundred seven point nine FM. On the line, we have Molly Appleton. Molly, good morning.
8: Good morning. Well. Just afternoon here, but I very much feel like it's morning, so I'm happy it's
1: still morning there. I've just jumped for joy there. I've actually got that one to work correctly today, so uh, first time, I've only got two more to go. <laughs> Molly, <laughs> always a pleasure to talk to you, and that, that, uh, that giggle is always one of the reasons why we put you on. How have you been, mate? Oh, I've been really good, yeah, busy busy with work
8: and, and then football news seems to be non stop but um yeah. it's been good, been
1: good. Yeah, as Sean will always tell you there's no off season, it just slows down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, that's it exactly. Molly, well, like, how's the uh the, the, the scene down there in Tasmania? like there is talk of expansion of the A-League and they continue to talk of eastern states, Canberra, another team in Sydney, another team in Brisbane, maybe another team in Adelaide. Why is it that Tasmania are often overlooked for, for anything uh, in, in that nature?
8: Well, I mean, I think we're trying to put all our eggs in the
1: AFL basket, unfortunately. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to mention <laughs> that one here. No, no, no. <laughs> no. this one football.
8: <laughs> <laughs> but but on, on the right code of football, um, I think it's a matter of where the A-League priorities are. I think if you're looking for, you know, um, in Tasmania, it would be a great place to have a little boutique, boutique stadium and I think it would fill out... Really well, um, you know, a 10,000, 15,000 sort of stadium, um, and you'd have the support here. But then, you know, there's also the questions of um, do you want a Tasmanian team that doesn't particularly have Tasmanian talent in it? There's a couple of Tasmanians mm, yeah. floating around, but, you know, is it strong enough for a full team? I don't know. Um, my gut would probably say, not at this point, um, you know, across both. Uh, men's and women's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think you know it would be great. I'd love to have a team here. But again, as well, it's similar to uh, other problems we've had with teams. Do you put it in the north or do you put it in the south? That,
3: um,
8: and unfortunately, that's always torn Tasmania apart a little bit. So yeah.
2: Uh, Molly, that was actually was going to be my next question. <laughs> if they did put a Tasmanian team in. Would you sort of envisage it branded as a you know a Tasmania United team, or would it actually be called you know Hobart or Launceston? Would would you would you prefer it to be you know a, just a generic Tasmania or, well, I or specific? I
8: wouldn't want it to be Launceston because I think uh, Devonport <laughs> okay. and Hobart
2: are the. Okay, um, well then Hobart. <laughs> but
8: but uh, <laughs> Devonport strikers are often in the FFA Cup and they yep. they do us proud up here on the coast. Um, but I think it would be a Tasmanian team. I think it would follow similar to uh, what the NBL's done with China. And I think, actually, the better one's probably cricket, where it was Hobart Hurricanes, but yep. now it's the Tasmanian now Hurricanes. Called, okay. And whilst we still think that it's Hobart, it's very much Tassie's team with how they've broken up the game between the North and the South. So I think something like that would work best, yep. yeah.
1: Now, Molly, we've got a couple of Matilda games coming up with uh, two games against Brazil and the yet-to-be-locked-in two games against the, the US. Pete and I were discussing off-air about um, home-ground advantage and Pete actually came up with the thought process of Saudi Arabia, if just changing over there, when Saudi Arabia come to play the, the Socceroos to play in Tasmania because they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to handle the cold. But do you ever think there there'd be a sometime that uh, one of these major, uh, whether it be the Matildas or the Socceroos, to play mm-hmm. down in Tasmania?
8: Well, I know that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of talk about the uh, World Cup training, training mm-hmm. not holding mm-hmm. training groups, so I think that's a really positive step and I, I really do believe if we can do that well, um, then I think that I don't see any problem apart from with our biggest Handicap, so to speak is that being such a cricket and afl state we don't really have the best rectangle stadium um i've watched a game or two at blunston arena and it just it doesn't do the job uh you no. stadium mm. in long is bigger than blunston so i wouldn't want to see it there either <laughs> um so it's kind of begging for you know a revamp of a couple of the clubs here that do have Decent-ish stadiums, but don't hold that, you know, capacity. Uh, I think, yeah, it's sort of. We need we need
1: a better stadium to get those conversations happening. Yep. Now another one on your uh, your, your world famous Molly's Footy Rants. Uh, the Wellington Phoenix have uh, announced mm. Uh, mm. their new coach, Gemma Lewis. Do you, do you know much about her? Because I've got to be honest, I don't. <laughs> I
8: only know what they've put out. In <laughs> the <laughs> <reason. It laughs> very exciting. Um, no, she's been on my radar before, briefly, but um, I have to say I haven't stumbled too much across uh, upon her, but I think the biggest positive, obviously, for Wellington is they've got all of New Zealand to, to scout from, really, don't they? So having someone that knows that youth system very well by the looks of things, and uh, we know how, how well they went in the under Seventeen World Cup a few years ago, so... We know that they've got some really good young talent, and I think you guys in Perth know firsthand, you know, yeah. um, yep. just how
3: just how
2: good they are. Yeah. Um, hey, I mean, it's worth so. mentioning they've they've signed one player so far. And that's, she is a Kiwi, but she's uh, the Perth Glory goalkeeper is now off to Wellington. <laughs> Yeah. It's
8: time kind of the goal, and it, it must be the furthest chance that was had within the within the W League as well. That
1: one, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's always been called the distance derby over here. The uh, the yeah. The, yeah. the Glory Phoenix uh, thing. At one stage, they were talking about it being the the longest distance between two clubs in the world.
2: Oh, I think second longest. I think Russia's got a yeah, trip there. Yeah, yeah. There's,
1: there's that Russian trip which uh, we all look forward to. <laughs> 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 so Molly. Um, we, last week, we, we mentioned on air about um, uh, Katerina Monzol being the first uh, uh, female to officiate the England men's national team. We, we broke that before it actually happened. But I notice on your footy rants that there's a, uh, a bit of a strike happening. What, what can you tell us about that? Mm.
8: Yeah, I think I think they did resolve it. There did was, they? Oh, damn it! And and that, that's that's that story. A bit <laughs> <of> a <bagger. laughs> ruined a good story. After <laughs> I afterwards. Like an hour or two afterwards, I'm just going, guys, sorry, we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep with this. But yeah, yeah I think there's been obviously a bit of a a, a bundling effect uh, with how the um, A League's separated from from Football Australia, and obviously the rest haven't had it quite as easy as what I suppose everything else has looked like in the media so that. That's an interesting one to yeah. sort of keep an eye
3: on, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: disappointing. When uh, I was refereeing up in the goldfields, we went on strike. We were out for nearly 18 months. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, solidarity, brother. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, oh, that, that's, that's ruined that story. We'll move on. <laughs> what else you got for us, Monty? I mean, Molly? great news,
8: great news for, uh, you know, football, for anyone playing FSA Cup matches or warm-up matches yeah. at the end of the season. But, yeah, not, not so much great news. Um, well, the squad's been announced to the midfielders. I think it's happened whilst you guys were on air. I'm well, not sure no. if, Go if you've on. caught it yet. No, I haven't, Um
3: no.
8: But I think, you know, we've got a few players out. You've got Legazzo, uh, Kellen Knight, Razzo and Gilnick, where they're all injured. I think a couple of them, we definitely knew we wouldn't see them. And um, obviously a few of them that we might have hoped but, but aren't there. So who,
1: um, uh, who's, who's the keeper?
8: Who's the keeper? Well, you've got all of them in by the looks of it. Yeah, you've yeah. got Micah, you've got Arnold and uh, Lydia Williams uh, yeah, yeah. are all in there. So no <laughs> surprises,
1: unfortunately, there. No, no, so who's your, uh, who's your thought? Because, I mean, I, I, you know, I was, again, as much as we, uh, we enjoyed um, Teagan's uh, performances at the Olympics, I thought uh, Lydia was very stiff not to, not to get more of an opportunity at that uh, tournament.
8: Well, my my thing, my belief is goalkeeping is very much a confidence game, and yep. give it to mm. the keeper that's oh, the yeah. most confident. Um, and I don't know at the moment; I'm, I've not been following what Mike is doing at a club level, uh, so that might change it. But for me, Lydia Williams isn't getting games at Arsenal. Oh, okay. Um, so whilst so whilst uh, she's you know. Probably our best goalkeeper, still, most definitely the most experienced. Um, She's not getting that game in, game out. And whilst you could argue, you know, training with Deansberger and and within Arsenal is probably, possibly better than, you know, getting games here in the W League, I still don't think that confidence translates to a full blown international match. Um, So I think, yeah, it's got to be a keeper who's playing consistently and. Um, it's
1: probably Arnold on that fact I'm not sure Like I said I'm not sure whether Mike is getting games At Rosenberg or not I haven't quite followed that one. Oh, that's unlike you So uh, what, what about the, the WSL um, uh, uh, With with some of the players there I mean most of uh, Most of Perth will know That uh, there's a certain uh, Superstar playing for Chelsea But uh, mm. c- can you give us Some heads up on that With the, the, the City um, United derby is, is that likely to happen soon? United derby
8: you had a city uh, you mean Manchester Ma- Ma- derby. sorry the, the,
1: the Manchester derby sorry
8: yeah no no that's right you're talking to a United fan so that's totally fine
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> so the second club in Manchester then <laughs>
8: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 so
8: well really United shot themselves with the foot so I don't think I don't think Kennedy actually started that game and I've got a feeling Razzo obviously is still a bit Worse for wear. Um, so she didn't play either. But, uh, yeah, that ended 3 all, and no-one was happy with that, really, I don't think, because City got back into it. And, uh, you know, United should have won it. Cause they had a spare extra player on after a really, really bad foul. But I, I'm trying to think of who it was. Oh, no, nah, the, name, the name's lost. I've lost it. One of the English players, so. um but yeah, otherwise elsewhere in the in the WSL, um, I think Yallop obviously has started life in West Ham really well. Um, I think she's been really, really impressive, um, and I'm just hoping you know Caelan Ford gets more yeah, time yeah. at Arsenal, really. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's obviously a lot of competition, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. in some ways. But I would love to see it start more matches or give it more time on the field.
1: And that's the catch twenty two that a lot of the Matildas are finding is that they they are going to to better leagues, but they are finding that uh, they they're better squads as well, and they they really have mm-hmm. to have to push through to get um, to get starting minutes. Mm-hmm.
8: Absolutely. I mean, you look at someone like Steph Catley. Where oh yeah. Her inclusion, uh, like, she's first name on the team sheet, in my opinion, uh, at, at any club. Um, but, you know, you, you look at um, the way Arsenal play and if they're very much wanting to attack, you've got Katie McCabe, Cave who, uh, you know, we saw I think she played against us when we played Ireland, but she's phenomenal in attack and she defends very well and linked, linked up really well with Soben Heath in Europe uh, in the Champions League over, over the weekend, over the weekend over the week. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, Steph Catley didn't get picked, but at the same time, you kind of have to look at the practice and go, dang. <laughs> 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 you're going to go with the forward as full back, which I have strong thoughts that that shouldn't happen, but that's what a lot of clubs and coaches like. So, you know, um, yeah, it's a bit of unluck. But then at the same time, we've got Ellie Carpenter at Leon, don't we, who's starting... Ooh, yeah. and and killing it and obviously they've always had a really good deep squad so you know we can we can mix it
1: but yeah there's a bit of i think there's a bit of luck involved too yes that's well luck you make your own luck, luck so, so i've been told yeah, um exactly yeah true. but yeah, you know yeah. i'll take luck over talent every time when i play some <laughs> videos because i've I got no luck at all <laughs> and the talent's lacking as well <laughs> so molly um what else can you tell us? Uh, the, the W League? What, what, do you see that uh, starting on time? Um, particularly with, as Pete's mentioned, you know the Phoenix have only really one official player, yeah. and um, with about a month and a half to to go to the the official start date. Um, mm. Mm. The nominal start. Yeah, rate, you yeah. need you need at least seven uh, to play. <laughs> luckily <laughs> enough, luckily enough, one of those seven has oh, to be no, the goalkeeper, no, no, and they've no. signed the goalkeeper, so that's good. They only need another six outfield players, so. no
8: i i expect for wellington i expect that the signings will start coming thick and thick and fast um i don't think there's too much worry on that i think it's more worry about about travel i mean uh living in a state that has been covid free um and now you know half half the state's in lockdown because of just one case i think You know, state governments obviously have a large part to play and whilst the W League doesn't work in a bubble like, say, the WBBL, um, I think there's always going to be worries and concerns about whether we will start on time and obviously there has been no conversation or rumours that I'm aware of that suggest that it will be in a bubble. So I think it's going to be very much touch and go and it's going to get a bit awkward without um, the grace of having that bias. Yeah, um, I think we couldn't have had a season last year. Like, you know, per you, you guys know Perth 10 completely that that bar was saving grace to be yeah. able to play out a full season, really, yep. wasn't it? So, yeah,
1: no, well, I've heard um, that the government have uh, going to uh, remove the... Um, the mandatory two weeks hotel quarantine if you can have proof of the double jab. So that's going to make it a lot easier for particularly uh, Mm -hmm. sporting teams to be able to go, you know, state hopping and and as we've seen with Phoenix, Mm -hmm. even travelling internationally.
8: Yeah, for sure. I think that's really positive and I think that's going to be the thing that keeps our season alive, really. You just hope that... I think it has already been delayed. I thought it was meant to start... Uh, mid November yeah, was yeah, yeah. so So it's, it's being pushed back yeah. uh, to December. Um, so yeah, I my fingers are crossed, but I think it's more fingers across. I mean, I just went to a festival yesterday down in, on the west coast,
3: um,
8: and they had started, and then they pulled the plug like halfway through the first day oh, no. because of because of things. So. I think
1: you know, and obviously Tazzy's that bit more cautious, so it's
8: a bit different. Wasn't Um, a fest, was it? Oh no, I would have just stayed. I would have stayed there and drank anyway. Oh yeah,
1: I can imagine that that being told halfway through. And I'm sorry, you'll have to go home. Yeah, right. (laughs) When the keg finishes, maybe. it trouble it, it is, is they cancelled
8: it when I was halfway, out, halfway back home and I'm just going, now my story's changed and the journalist
2: just doesn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a bit harsh for the Wellington women because um, they are actually going to be based in Australia. So, you know, it's all mm-hmm. well and good to create a team, you know, a, a new, t- I mean, obviously there's existing Wellington's men's team who did play out mm-hmm. of Wollongong with COVID, but yeah, it's a bit harsh that the women's team—they've got a brand new, bright, shiny—you mm-hmm. know—women's team, hoping to get you know the women of um, New Zealand behind them, and then they have to play in Australia. And there's also player quotas; they they have to sign at least a, seven Australian uh, players. Which
1: mm-hmm. Wellington?
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, which again—that's that's you know maybe the cost they had, the price they have to pay for playing in an Australian competition, but at the same time it. You know, it doesn't help their case when it's um, no, no. You know, they're trying to no. When push their brand uh, when Penny
1: and I were talking to Tom Somani uh, before the uh, New Zealand Olympic campaign, yep. uh, we were joking that when the Phoenix comes in, it's just basically going to be that side transported in. But wow, that's that's interesting. So that that eliminates that from happening. So,
2: so they can have eleven New Zealand players, uh, uh, but required to have seven Australian just players. Just in the squad, not in, in the, the starting list. No, no, just in the squad.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, I think that was a massive
8: stumbling block. For why yeah. they didn't get in last year as well, um, obviously COVID playing its part. But yeah, I yeah. think that has been a massive stumbling block, and I think I really hope it's something that changes. I get having caps on the amount of foreign players, so to speak. Yeah, uh, but mm. the A League has always been the plan to have a New Zealand team. Uh, you know, men's always had a New Zealand team. You know,
3: women.
8: Yeah. Now that we're in getting more professional the plan always should be you know to include New Zealand I think it just makes the competition better we, we're so close neighbours especially the East Coast yeah. maybe not maybe not you guys in first <laughs> no. but oh, it seems <laughs> like there's a lot of Kiwis over here <laughs> <Yeah>. too
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I yeah, wonder, no, wonder if that's sorry. got a lot to do with the, um, the FIFA Cross Confederation because there's been that uh, discussion oh, yeah. Yeah. because New Zealand, are Oceania, yeah. and Australia, are AFC, to get around that, they've probably made that uh, counted, a, a, a yeah. sweetener for uh, for FIFA and and both those confederations by going we we require you to have. Is that a, a, set number a of, problem in the men's game, though? Yeah, I don't think it's in the men's game.
2: Uh, in in the men's game, there is the restriction. If Wellington was to win the league, they wouldn't get to play in the champion uh, the Asian That's Champions right. League. So there is... Yeah. Even Wellington yeah. have, like, a little asterisk... Uh, sorry, even in the men's, they have a little asterisk beside them. But no player quota. That, but there's no... Not that I know of any oh, player quota. OK. That's it, yeah. All right. I could be wrong on that. I haven't actually checked. Yeah, I think it's something
1: that, whether,
8: whether it's in or not, I think it's something that hopefully... Hopefully we'll change into the future. And, um, you know, whilst I love to see Australians play in the W League, uh, I think definitely, you know, give the New Zealand girls a chance. And, you know, we've got enough teams here. They've only got the one. So let's let's make, make sure it's fair, fair thing. And once it does move to New Zealand, that's asking seven, seven Australians to go over there. You know, you've yeah. got to balance up if that's fair to do that for three, four months of the year. So that's also a huge commitment on the Australians' part, as it will be for them in turn this
1: year, having to set up camp uh, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, before we let you go, Molly, with the uh, the four games coming up, two definitely and two, we hope, what's your uh, what's your thoughts? We, we, you know, get past Brazil pretty easy, what, 6-0, <laughs> 8-0, six, six nil, nil, and then two one all draws against the U.S.? <laughs>
8: That's the dream, and they will out a double hat
1: trick
3: and a backflip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um,
8: I unfortunately think we'll be a lot tighter than that. I think both oh. both countries are trying to blood in some new players who have a point to prove. Uh, I do think Woody can win these games. I think we should win these games, particularly on home soil against Brazil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think whilst. I wouldn't say it's fully a disappointment. I think it would be disheartening if we didn't win against Brazil at home. We've shown that we can do mm-hmm. that, and you know, I think we really should be aiming for that. And really, unless we're putting out like completely fresh blood and completely, you know, yet let all the youngsters play. If we've got those senior girls in and fit and playing, I think that yeah, we need we need to be winning these games and start getting that mentality of we win tough games back and
1: never say die yep and do you think the US will bring a uh, development squad because yeah, again with, with, with COVID question, restrictions uh, they may not uh, be allowed to, to, to highlight to, or, or, or be able to have access to their star players
8: yeah they don't have many in Europe at the moment either so oh. that's, that's a bummer um I think I think whatever squad America brings over they could bring over their stage <laughs> they're still going to be probably top four in the world but let's be honest um They've got the amount of depth, but I don't think it'll matter what squad they turn up with. I think they'll obviously just for their own pro- promotion. I think they will definitely bring a couple of big names. Whether it's all of them, I'm not sure, but you know, expect someone, you know, off, you know, Rampino or, or Morgan or one of those players, one or two of those players who come in. So I think it will be a good, yeah, good atmosphere, and you know, they will play it seriously. I don't think. You know, I don't think the Americans like losing to us anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) whatever team they put out, uh, it's going to be very strong. And um, I know that their competition, um, whilst it's had some controversies off the field, on the field, it's just continuing to develop and continuing to do really well. So, yeah, it's
1: going to be a good match if we do get those games locked in. Well, that's fantastic, Molly. Again, I really do appreciate, we really do appreciate your, your time and your input to the uh, World Football Program. Thank you very much. You enjoy your afternoon, and we will be in touch with you sometime soon. Have a good day, Molly. No, no
8: problem. Thanks for having me Thanks, on. Thanks, Molly.
1: Good on you. Thank you.
3: Thanks.
1: Bye. Bye. And that was Molly Appleton, new uh, Tasmanian-based journalist. And uh, if you've got a, a spare couple of minutes, I want a, a good giggle, head to Molly's football rants and she's up to date with everything. I've just had a look. That um, Matilda's squad, yep. 22 right. minutes ago she put it on. Yeah. I mean yeah. – <laughs> Yeah, so we so we did, we we did got, miss yeah, that Pete. I
2: was, I was gonna I was gonna well yeah we kind of missed it but I, I think we can be forgiven for that <laughs> um, I, I did have a look through the the list of players so we won't list every player but kind of worth mentioning if Alana Kennedy takes the field that'll be a hundredth cap Wow uh, and there's a couple of uh, new players Briley Henry uh, striker from Western Sydney Wanderers currently on zero caps yeah uh, Jamelia Rankin a uh, defender from Brisbane Raw and Remy Simpson from Sydney FC uh will all be, well, they're all currently on zero cap, so okay, if they make their so, appearance, it's a first appearance So
1: that, for them. that again, fits into Gustafsson's plan of 23 and 23. Yeah. So, as yeah, well like, as Molly was saying, provided we don't go the full development squad, we, we should get some sort of results there. Well, um, <laughs> the Brazilians, I mean, they, they regularly qualify for the World Cup. And yeah. again, th- this is for them, what? better for us, actually, that we are playing these, these high-ranking teams in a non-qualifying World Cup period.
2: Well, to me, it's a friendly match, and so the result doesn't matter. During the 90 minutes that the game's yeah. on, I want us to win, and I understand yeah. that, but if yep. you said to me, hey, you lose both those games 3-0 and then do better at the Asian Cup next year... I'd take that, you know, it's yeah, in, well, in the competitive you, matches. Yeah,
1: you're right there, Pete. I mean, we saw that the, the friendlies before the the Olympics, how, you know, a lot of hand-wringing and scratching of heads with some of those results, but yeah. then we saw the the performance of the Matildas at that uh, Olympic campaign and we thought, well, I can't even remember the results because <laughs> yeah, exactly. they, it was development and this is the game style and Exactly as you say, Pete. Let's not focus on results. Let's focus on processes. Again, as Mike was saying in his interview, it's not so much a. Um, uh, and again, it's not so much the result; it's the performance.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and playing every single star player and leaving all your your young blood on the bench in a in a practice match. No, why? Why would you do that?
1: Exactly right. All right. Well. I will continue to battle these technical issues. We will go to a quick break, and after that we will have Danielle Brogan from Perth SC who's just been named the uh, women's head... No, development coach of of women's football at Perth. So stick with us. You're on Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme. You're listening to Radio
5: Fremantle (laughs) 107.9.
4: I'm Rose, a junior trainee at Ozwest Fencing and iron I am the fourth generation of our family business. Ozwest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at www.auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au
1: Station Sponsor Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware, WA. Station sponsor. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. And welcome back to Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program. You're with myself, Hugh, and the greatest wingman in the world, <laughs> Pete, and he's certainly putting that uh, title to the test today. On the line, we have Danielle Brogan. Good morning, Danielle.
9: Good morning. Thank you for having
1: me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, we, um, as we said earlier when we spoke with Mark uh, earlier in the day, that we need to thank uh, Gary Maraki for that and uh, the, the kind support that Perth SC lent to this program.
9: Yeah definitely I mean obviously Gary's um you know been around for such a long time and he loves football and um and and loves the club and uh, we obviously all share the the same values and stuff so you know it's fantastic to be out there and talking football on a Saturday morning what more could you want yeah well exactly Exactly.
1: playing it maybe I don't know (laughs) Danielle (laughs) you've just been announced uh, as the director of women's football at Perth SC can you give us uh, some history behind yourself and how you got into this role and what the role entails please yeah sure
9: so um, i was a player um, for many years and I I never thought I would end up in coaching but, um, you know, I I kind of retired and and moved over to Perth and, uh, yeah, it just kind of just fell into my lap. I I did a few little jobs here and there with Football West, just with state teams and, um, you know, I I had a bit of a relationship with um, some of the key members at Perth and, um, yeah, about four years ago we attempted to, you know, Um, to to apply for a women's team before the MPL came to fruition. Um, We didn't quite make that cut, but then obviously with the new structure, uh, we did a lot of hard work in making sure that um, that it all went through. So, you know, luckily for us with a lot of hard work, uh, we've now got a women's team. and, And as I said, you know, the values are the same as the men. They've got such a Successful history, um, you know. We want to try and do the same, and hopefully, uh, we sit there twenty years saying um, that we've done it. But um, so, yeah, I rolled into coaching. We've done the last two seasons. we first grade. But um, some of my personal circumstances have changed, um, so I, I can't fulfil the full-time role for the head coach's position. Um, but I always said to them that I don't want to leave the club. I want to be around to ensure that um, we keep building and, and creating more opportunities for the women. Um, and obviously 2023 and, and the Women's World Cup is a huge target of ours, mm. particularly um, Perth being mm. a host host city. So, um, so well, yeah, we're just looking to grow on what we've done the last two or three years, um, and, and that role will, you know, Enable me to continue to support the players, support the coaches, and then obviously feed through to the board and, and just keep growing on what we've done.
1: Fantastic. And your role, I noticed that um, you'll be um, overseeing the the trials that are coming up uh, this Wednesday, isn't it? Is, it? is it Wednesday the trials are happening for the. Um... Uh, it's Wednesday week. Wednesday
9: yeah, week. Yeah, so it'll be Wednesday week we'll be having trials for our under 23 team. Um, and we'll see what comes out of that. There might be a few first grade opportunities um for those players as well so so yeah i'll oversee all of that like i said be be uh um, contact for the coaches help some of the players individually as well um just stepping back and being able to look at them as individuals and and trying to help them all grow and some of them um you know we've got a few train-ons with glory this year and a couple with contracts so you know we want to keep growing the players um and like i said it's just you know being closer to the club and and the administration and making sure that um, the women are provided with everything as equal as the men, which we have been.
1: Fantastic. And you've got some uh, junior trials coming up. Uh, That's the one I was thinking of, this this Wednesday? It is. The the 14s and the 16s?
9: (laughs) Yes, we do. So we've got 12 fourteens, and sixteen trials this Wednesday at Dorian. Um, so, yeah, we're looking to, to get all the juniors involved and, and, and grow on that aspect as well. We'll, um, we'll look to have an 18th team eventually, so we'll have the full program for Brilliant. the women. Um, so, yeah, two weeks' worth of trials, and then the senior girls will continue on. We'll have a few more for them um, early November. But, yeah, junior juniors this coming Wednesday.
1: Excellent. So you're... You've briefly touched on your director of, of football role um, and how far wide ranging is that? I mean, uh, you, you'll be working with, um, with David uh, Del Bosco, the uh, NPL under 23s coach. Um, will both of you be involved in the selection of uh, the new uh, head coach for women?
9: And yeah, so there's a few applicants that we've already spoken to. Um, we're looking to hopefully have someone appointed in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, the players are obviously comfortable with staying. Majority of them, um, have said that they will stay regardless. So, so yeah, we're, we're looking at, um, that'll be a, a, a senior administration decision. So myself, Peter DeLeo um you know obviously david's welcome in the conversation because he needs to be comfortable with them as well we we want to make sure that everybody works as a, as a team and um you know the, the communication levels are good i think it's so important so so yeah there's a few that we're looking at at the moment um there's a couple more candidates we need to speak to but yeah that will be more of a senior administration
1: decision brilliant mm. Pete? Still no, I <laughs> <Still> <laughs> You, had, you, you had, had your hand up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sorry. <laughs> so, um, is there any news on, um, we, again, when we spoke with, with Gary a few weeks ago, that uh, Perth were going to be a host stadium for the uh, the 23 World Cup? Is, any more news on that?
9: No, not so far. So we put the application in Will Gareth a years ago when um, obviously Australia and New Zealand applied for... For the World Cup so we are hopeful and again this is part of the reason um, for for staying involved and, and you know Perth has created this women's role to make sure that um, we're in the front running position come decision time so um, you know we've got the facilities we, we've hosted Perth Glory for a number of years, mm. um, we host a lot of events there so we, we, you know we've got four different change rooms um, you know the turf out the back so yeah, yeah. We, we're really hopeful that we will be um, because I think that you know it's such a great facility it, it's um prime location it's close to transport um, you know it's not too far from HBS as well yeah, which I'm, yeah. you know they'll be playing at so so yeah there's a, there's a lot of prospect there but we're very hopeful that we'll be able to get one of those positions and host the team does
2: the um does the Perth SE, does the club get uh, financial remuneration for hosting a hosting a world cup squad uh, are yeah.
9: If there is uh, to what extent? That's a little bit, little bit out of my job. Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pete's thinking about it's his backyard. Oh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to pry <laughs> you. I was just curious about that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and I
1: thought, well, you know, I could rip up the paving at the back of my place. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> Pete wants exactly. German in his backyard. It's yeah, not going to happen. That
9: good, <laughs> <Yeah. doesn't? laughs> but um, look, I would, I would assume there would be some because you know, you, you the amount of staff that need to be involved, the keeping of the ground. Um, that you know, running off the bar and restaurants yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of um, work that goes into a behind the scenes. So I would assume there would be would be some. Um, obviously, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a business as well. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I can imagine there would be, to what extent, some.
3: Yeah, wrong person. To <laughs> yeah,
1: no, yeah, no, <laughs> Gary wasn't 100% sure when we spoke to him, but he did say that FIFA had slight issues with the apartment blocks on the uh, overlooking the ground. I thought, they'd be prime real. You know, yeah, so. fill them I'm out surprised and,
2: FIFA didn't buy them up. Yeah. <laughs> well,
9: that's the thing. Um, yeah. I mean, look, we, you know we train and play, they're, sometimes they're the
2: loudest crowd that we have had. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, they certainly
1: have the atmosphere, that's for sure. Now, Danielle, am, am, am I right in thinking that the, the NPL require uh, the Perth women to have an under-18s and reserves? Is Is that part of the... The yeah,
9: so that we, was, we're still waiting for a football west, um, with quite a few. But yeah, the idea was that the 18s will come in and then we'll obviously mirror um, the men's senior squad. So we've got um, enough players. We've got a lot of our under-16s that will move up into that group to form um, that team. And then we obviously need to decide that the player point system will come in for the first team as well. So, so yeah, there's a lot more um, administration that needs to come into selecting teams for next season. Um, it's you know, obviously Murdoch ran away with with the league this year, and um, you know, perhaps that might bring us a little bit closer together. But but yeah, so we've we've got the numbers there already. We're just waiting
3: for it to be confirmed.
1: Okay, that that's great, and that that trial coming up is certainly going to do nothing uh, more than than, than both those uh, as well, and make you a lot more stronger. Again, as Mark was saying, that uh, yeah, definitely. strength so, of numbers I mean, starts at the bottom.
8: It does. And if you
9: have a look, I mean, uh, last season we um, we did speak about fulfilling an 18s team because we had the numbers from our under-23s trials. And obviously the under-23s are quite young as well. Right. Um, I mean, even my first grade team, we probably had an average over uh, 23 as well. So, so yeah, the, the players are quite young. Um, you know, some of the 16s players, it's, it's good for them because going from 16s to 23s was quite a jump um so yeah there's, there's a few girls that are good enough to play in the 23s even though they might be 15 or 16 um but yeah it is a little bit of a platform there because it, it tends to be there's a little bit of a gap um i think in the market where these players are getting a little bit lost they're not starting so the, they're not they're not getting game time in the 23s and they're too old for the under 16 so um yeah I, i'm i'm sure we'll be able to fulfill all the teams with good quality as well
1: brilliant brilliant yeah yeah no, that, that's fantastic news um Danielle, we, we really do appreciate your, your time today. Uh, we uh, have a packed show, and I've uh, got us behind by uh, messing up in <laughs> <laughs> the first couple of minutes with, with what I'd like to call technical issues.
8: Technical.
9: <laughs> so, <yeah.
1: laughs>
9: They're meant to make life easier, but it doesn't, doesn't it? Oh, well,
1: it does if you know what buttons you need to press. <laughs> <laughs>
9: hey, look, I'm glad that she would not me. but thank you very much for having me on. We really pr- appreciate the support.
1: No, no, the, the, the thanks are from us. Thank you very much, Danielle. We look forward to chatting with you in the future and all the best on your new role. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Danielle. Yeah, Bye. Danielle Brogan, the new uh, Director of Women's Football at Perth SC. So uh, exciting and onwards and upwards for that club. It's, uh, yeah. it's always good to see... Um, the technical, <laughs> there's that word again. The technical <laughs> support coming in where it's needed, and and Danielle's had have great history with. I mean, she was pretty modest about her playing, but she she's she was some player in her in her time, and unfortunately, injury has made it uh, no longer possible for her.
2: Yeah, and uh, the women's NPL this season finished you know, Murdoch and Northern Redbacks. Yeah, as she said, uh, ran, ran away with the league. Yes, there was they a did. Big gap. Perth finished third. That's right. So, um, be good to see if they can sort of close that gap and and make it a bit more of a competitive league next season. Well, competitive amongst more than just two teams.
1: Yeah, and and that was always going to be the case with with some of those newer clubs in that NPL. I mean, yeah. they, congratulations to all those clubs for putting their hand up because it's a huge step up, not only in 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 quality but also in. in in, in the support needed to to have not just a team on the park, but a but a competitive team on the park, and there was a few sides that that we'll just call them learning curves, yeah. and, and Perth were, were, were one of them. But um, with the with the power base that they have from a, a player's perspective, both um, men and women, uh, they can only can only go up. And and if next season it's it's three teams uh, pushing for the title, and then the season after that we have five teams, and then yeah. You know, the, the, well, the goal likely. is that yeah. every game is, uh, you know, it's a crapshoot. You don't know who's going to win. And that, that, that's what we want to see in, in, in every aspect of sport, really. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I agree.
1: Fantastic. All right, well, we'll... Um also
2: worth mentioning just Ooh, very quickly, um, tomorrow is the uh, Perth Glory Members Day oh, at Fremantle right. yeah. Oval. So uh, you can come down to Fremantle Oval from 10am to 1pm. So you got three hours. They've got the A-League men and the A-League women people there. They've got inflatable games and sponsor activities and e-sports if joysticks are more your thing than really <laughs> kicking them all. <laughs> um, I, I shouldn't be so snide. I play a lot of video yeah, games. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know why I'm sounding so snarky about that. Yeah. Uh, face painters, snacks. Food trucks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Yeah, and that's just reminding me that uh, again, if you're um, feeling the uh, the pinch of not having a, a, a football fix, the uh, charity game up at Wanaru is going to be on. That's that 24 hour charity game that we discussed last week. So that started about two and a half hours ago, and will go until about 10 o'clock tomorrow morning.
2: So, so I, so I didn't catch last that bit on last week's show. So it's 24 yeah, so- as in if you rocked up at 4 a.m., there'll be people.
1: Yep, and the bar will be open. <laughs> uh, so, so, oh, oh. so we were told that um, yeah, it, it's going to be that the whole club will be involved. So and it's in uh, it starts. It, it started today. So it starts with the juniors, yep. um, and each junior club plays their their time slot. The uh, the junior presentation is going to be uh, on after their commitments are finished, about four pm today, and then from that time onwards, it's going to be the the, the more senior men's. Uh, and women's playing. Yep. And, yeah, so you've got nothing to do at 1 o'clock in the morning. Rock on down to Wanneroo and uh, get yourself a beer and cheer on the uh, the team. Gold coin donations all going to uh, to Telethon. Uh, fabulous, fabulous uh, cause. And the, their thought process is to make that um, an annual event yep. and to hopefully to get the clubs in that area because that, that Northern Corridor has got more than a few clubs there yeah, true. Um, to maybe make that a charity club against club, rather than just one club being involved, doing the right thing for for kids in need.
2: Yeah, we'll uh, pop a link up to that on the Facebook group as well.
1: Ah, okay. Pete, Sorry, again, the
2: good. man with all the answers to all my technical
1: issues, apart from <laughs> the ones over here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll leave those ones to you. Yeah, good on you, mate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll be taking a, a quick break, and we'll be coming back with the... International President of Subudio, Steve Detry, and he will be talking to us all things Subudio and um, how the COVID pandemic worldwide has impacted that wonderful sport. Stick with us. You're with Pete and Hugh on Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program.
2: 107.9 FM, your local station.
3: 107.9 FM. Hi. I'm
8: Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to we saw right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe Australia. We're all
7: in this together. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport at all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play, with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies. elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in europe or asia with four venues across perth as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play there's a junior men's women's or mixed competition that will suit you contact us to get involved in futsal an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in australia Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au.
10: Radio
0: Fremantle 107.9 FM. The World Football Programme is a community programme run by volunteers, just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support.
1: And thanks for your support. Exactly right. Thanks, John. Uh, yeah, anyone that uh, is interested, you can find all that information on the website. So become a member if you can, or just donate uh, your lotto winnings every time you get that million or three.
3: Mm.
1: On the line, we have uh, the FISTF president, Mr. Steve Detry. Steve, good morning. How are you today?
0: Yeah. Good morning uh, there. Good afternoon here. Oh, yeah,
1: you can tell how many technical issues I had. That, that's the second time I've uh, I've done that one wrong. <laughs> yeah, that uh, daylight savings. WA don't uh, don't subscribe to daylight savings. Me, I've had a discussion with that uh, with my lovely wife just the other day. Going, you've got to be kidding me. But luckily enough, it wasn't the uh, the cows won't get milk or the curtains will fade. <laughs> she just didn't like it. <laughs> Steve. Um, We've had you on previously. Can you just give us a brief history of of yourself and uh, and how you got into the the role of president of the FISTF?
0: Um, well, I've been playing the game since 1966. Um, I uh, off and on, not continually. Now, <laughs> a few where we played, and, and then sort of dropped out and discovered things like music and girls and girls
1: and, uh, <laughs> and more girls <laughs> than <in> a car. <laughs>
0: I yeah, got married, um, had kids, and then sort of came back into it. Um, um, I, I always loved the line. You know, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me, <laughs> they back. Pulled me <laughs> back in. They pulled me back in. That happened to me. So I, I'd, I'd been involved in the International Federation way back in '90, and then um, when it was founded. And then I sort of dropped out and, and just kept playing as a, as a player, as a club player. And then in 2010, we started up again in, in Sydney. Um, a couple of guys I, in Sydney started it, um, uh, was uh, an organised play.
1: That wasn't the Northern Falcons. they have been going since 76, yes?
0: Yeah, yeah. But we, we sort of went into Harvard Nation every so often. And then um, um, Adrian Elmer uh, started things here. Benji in Melbourne mm-hmm. started things. And then... Um, we had a we had a couple of competitions and we all kind of enjoyed getting back together with old mates and new people. And then 2015, I got uh, dragged onto the international board, sort of to utilise some of my media uh, background. Mm-hmm. And then when a few things happened uh, with the board, which I won't bore everybody with, it <laughs> was kind of one of those uh, those cases where the remaining people, everyone said, "Who's interested in being present?" president, take one step forward and everybody else took a step back
1: As they do
0: (laughs) So um, so for my sins I've been doing that for a few years, trying to sort of reorganise things, um, re-establish sort of a sense of order across the the nation and we've been doing a lot of we've been utilising the lockdown the the COVID period to to do a lot of reorganisation of documentation and um, all that sort of nitty-gritty, mitty, boring stuff that people have let lapse for a number of years. And uh, so we're putting that in place, trying to sort of set up an, a foundation for uh, when things open up properly.
1: And we discussed off-air, Pete and myself, how's um, how's the worldwide pandemic mm. uh, impacted your role? I mean, we know here in WA just how little it's impacted our lives. in, in 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 the greater scheme of things, but uh, you guys on the eastern states have had an even tougher time, and worldwide you've got to be on top of all of that as well. So, uh, can you tell us uh, a, a bit about that uh, particular aspect of your role? Yeah, it, it,
0: it's. I mean, as as a, as a board, our board, we we took the, the the position very very early on in the the whole pandemic that we would. Um, rely on local health authority guidance as to whether people could play or organise tournaments or not. So we weren't going to say this is what's going to happen and you've got to wear masks and you've got to have a jab and all that stuff. We said, nah, it's too hard because it's, you know, we've got uh, associations in, you know, almost 30 countries and it's just impossible to try and standardise it. So we said... And even within some countries, like in Italy, you know, there are yeah. differences between the different regions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we said organisers have to rely on local health authorities' advice about whether they can stage the event, whether they've do inside the event, whether they've got to have distance between tables, whether they've got to wear masks, yada, yada, yada. Um, now, a lot of events, a lot of countries have done nothing for, for mm. two years. Um, yeah. you know, some of the big countries, like Spain, because it's just been too hard. Um, and, you know, some of the other ones are starting to come back, um, and, and organize smaller things. And we've kind of been very encouraging of smaller events. We had a, a we have a series of uh, world tour events, and the biggest ones are called majors. and we have Grand Prix, International Open, satellites. Yep. And we had a, a major in Bologna. Uh, a few weeks ago, which oh, okay. regularly, which regularly attracts you know over 200, 300 players, and they only got about eighty or ninety.
3: Wow! Because
0: a lot of Italian players were just not
3: comfortable about going. Um, you know, a
0: lot of people are shell shocked. You, know? you know, even even here when we opened up on Monday, and people were going to the shops. I went down to my local shops. So i was starting to freak out a little bit with, with inside a big crowd.
3: Eh?
0: So it's, it's going to take us a while to sort of get back into it. Um, and and uh, plus, you know, the, there was a lot of international players just didn't know what the rulings were about, you know, visa passes, uh, uh, what do you call it, inoculation passes. Yeah. Vaccine passes.
1: The biological so passport,
0: decided, yeah. Yeah. So they decided not to go. So they lost a lot of players like that. Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh,
0: you know, the organizer was a bit sort of. Disappointed that he didn't get the, but but the crowd crowd that he was hoping for. But there are a lot more little events going on. You know, the, the I don't know if your audience knows about the wasps, just kind of like a, a, a second tier sort of uh, a series of events around the world. You just need three three or four players, and you can have. Have
1: something. Yeah, no, uh, we we've um, tr- I have tried to to educate our listeners about the the, the Waspa tour. Obviously, Subidio Perth are a very active uh, club in that uh, that tour space. But Pete was asking earlier about the the makeup of of the tours. Mm. So, in particular, the 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 World Cup. Now, it's been uh, postponed for the last two seasons. Do you have any? Any positive thoughts about whether that'll be able to go ahead next season? Well, well um, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that says a, lo- <laughs> that <laughs> says a lot. Yeah, okay, I mean, fair enough.
0: <laughs> my, my view is that, uh, and having talked with the Italian, you know, the organisers in Italy, the, their plan is to still go ahead with it in September of 2022. Yes. um They've found a, a, a new venue. There was a, a previous venue, which was kind of a bit of a distance from Rome itself. This one is, is in Rome. Oh, excellent. Um, and it means that it's going to be a, a lot better for accommodation and all that sort of stuff. Um, so they've found a good venue. They're still looking at the, you know, the logistics of it. Um, and we've, we've been talking with them about finally releasing the dates as soon as we can, um, with the proviso, of course, that if anything bad happens, we we can, you know, can. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge with the dates is that, you know, you'd think that, you know, as you know, there's no conformity in Australia about school calendars, so you can imagine what it's like
1: in Europe. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, so Pete was uh, uh, intrigued. So I was trying to explain to him that the World Cup um, is every two years on... Even year, so if it does go ahead next uh, next year, that that still uh, fits into yeah, that plan, it, 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 and it, it, and and then on the odd years you're having your your continental tournaments. So uh, for for us, it's the Asian Cup. Um, for um, for yeah, the Americans, it's the the, the North American Cup. Is, is that yeah, likely the, to continue? The, yeah,
0: yeah. So the 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 Latin American, the South American. Uh, championships will be held in December of this year. Wow! Mm. Um, so they're pretty keen. I mean, the the, the the Argentines, Brazilians, and Chileans seem to be completely yeah. Wow! Pandemic.
1: What pandemic?
0: Which I said to our. Uh, our board member Daniel, who's uh, Brazilian, so that kind of sums up the Brazilian way of life, yeah, doesn't right? it? Yeah. He said totally. But um, yeah, and then uh, I'm pretty sure that this year we won't have an Asian Cup. I nope. think Japan's still in a bit of a. They were scheduled to have it.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah.
0: So so then we need to decide whether it'll skip, uh, and Japan will host it in 23, which I'd be I'd be happy with. Yeah, um, I think most of us as, uh, as
1: players are happy with that uh, with that outcome as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think
3: they're great guys in Japan, are oh,
0: girls, and, uh, you know, they know how to put on a nice show, so, uh, uh I think it'll be good, but, but the, the, theory, in practical terms, the 2020 World Cup, which was postponed to 2021, has been cancelled. So the 2022 World Cup will be, you know, its own, own, uh, number. Like yep. uh, and 21 will just go down as being uh, the 20 World Cup will go down as being cancelled. Yes, um, we're not the first uh, sporting organization <laughs> in the world no. that's um, lost world championships or world cups. Yeah, um, it's it's you uh, know, I work in the, the sports world, and uh, every day there's um, uh, you know tournaments that have been
3: cancelled
0: and well, rearranged. The
1: Australian I Golf Open uh, cancelled again for the, the second year running, so, I mean, th- they must have some yeah. serious fears about um, getting back to the, the status that it, it, it once had.
3: Yeah, and not, just, you know, not just those really big sports,
0: but you know, things like you know, the Rowing World Championships, yep. and, um, and then within Asia, things like Setback to Crawler and Cavity and all those
3: sort
0: of wonderful uh, sports, um, have also suffered at the hands of it, and and it's, I just recently saw that world archery, you know, they've they've suffered significantly financially because without events, you know, they don't get the sponsorship dollars, and you know their reserves are just depleting. So, um, and
2: you think would, archery we're, would
0: we're be looking socially distanced. Sorry,
2: I was thinking archery. You'd think one you could get away with socially yeah. distancing to a degree more than other sports.
0: Oh, yeah, in some of them, but it's 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 more the logistics around sport, like yeah. getting people into the country, getting the right of, um, accommodation, um, then getting athletes from accommodation. I mean, you know, I've worked in that sphere, and it's it's a nightmare. The 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 minutiae of organising an event um, uh, just starts to sort of weigh you down, um, and. Um, Having said that, a number of sports, and, and including us, uh, if, if you know, we we sort of consider ourselves a sport. Hey, if um, if chess can be a sport at the Asian Games, then uh, no reason why we can't be. That's um, right. But they, um, a lot of sports are looking at at rationalising their calendars because they're just realising that hey, there's way too many events anyway, um, and um, maybe they should be. Uh, Trimming down the number of, of events, mm. um, which you, which you know, makes it more more uh, uh, um, achievable for for organisers and for players.
1: Do you see that uh, coming into subedia I mean, I know uh, each nation is allowed a, a certain number of um, FISTF events. Do you, do you envisage that number being reduced in yeah, any, in it, any way?
0: Yeah, it, it's something that we've talked about because basically. What we've looked, we're looking at, you know, me and my, I work in the whole sports data mm-hmm. field, uh, and I've done an analysis of the last four years. Course of course you have. <laughs> 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 A
1: bit like the Peter the,
0: here. <laughs> the, the attendance at events. And we've got, you know, the majors are big ones. Yep. And, and most of the majors over the last you know, five, six years have had over 100 players in, say, the open category. the main category. Maybe some of them have had more. And then you've got Grand prix, which the next one down, and so on. And we've kind of said, well, you you should be getting at least 32 to 36 players in a Grand Prix open event. You know, there's other categories, as you know, veterans, juniors, youth, whatever. Um, Are you combining that number with um,
1: the juniors and veterans, or or is that just open players?
3: Uh,
0: We're saying that... for these events, they, they need to hit a target. Yes. So they, they need to get, say, 36 players in the open category right. to retain their, their Grand Prix status.
1: And, of and course, as we've seen in a few of the, the, the tournaments held in Australia, that... Um, it, you can nominate for for different categories as well. That you can be uh, an open player, uh, but still qualify for the juniors, and then maybe uh, go into the veterans as well if you if you're in that age bracket. Is will, will that still be allowed, or do you see any well, relaxing of that?
0: the, 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 the the fiftieth rule is that you can you you should only nominate for, for a Grand Prix and above. Yep, mm. the Grand Prix and Major it should only be in two in one category. Correct.
1: Yep. No, um, I, I'm, but you
0: can be you can be in two if the organizer allows it. Right, it's really up to a scheduling issue, as you know. You know? Mm-hmm. how do you get everybody to play? You know, uh, the guy who has, has run a lot of the events in Melbourne. You know, the the uh, the system software, Paul Mercer. You know, he's pulling what's remaining of his hair out. By,
1: uh, <laughs> I thought that had already right. gone.
0: <laughs> trying, trying to sort of, okay, I've got, um, you know, um, uh, you know, Beth is in the open category, yes. she's in the women's category, um, you know, that sort of stuff. You know, how does it all come together? So we're, we're looking at some of these, you know, because there have been events like a, a Grand Prix in a couple of European countries that have had 12 players. Wow, that's just mm. that's just it's not enough to warrant that status now um, uh, covert or conversely within yeah. our, our, our handbook if you don't have a certain number of players then the ranking points that you get for winning that event drop down so just say if you if you're in a grand Prix and you, you've got 36 players you get a hundred percent of the points yep. but if there's only 12 you may only get 25 percent of the points
8: so Which there's is, already yeah.
0: kind of a penalty um, if you if you don't get the numbers, but but from our point of view, trying to sell that thing and saying, oh, there's a Grand Prix and there's twelve players there, it's hardly anything grand about it. <laughs> so we're, we're we're looking at plus we're trying to encourage more nations to have domestic events. So it's not all about, you know, oh, we're going go to go to Vienna this weekend and then we're going to go to Berlin and then we're going to go to to you know to Northern Italy. and then Sounds
1: you know. like Daniel Sheen. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> we want people to be playing, you know, and, and I've noticed in the last year or even in the last six months, the number of national championships that have suddenly popped up again. Um, uh, you know, this weekend, the Scots are having their first National championship for ages. The Germans are having theirs, the Belgians having their team championship. So it's, you know, it, it, and that means that it's a, it's a lot less travel,
3: mm-hmm. as you can
0: imagine. It's a lot more of a, um, a community feel, can I say that? Yes, can. And that's one thing, yeah. one thing that you've obviously experienced as well here in Australia that, you know, people go to, the, to our events, the Grand Prix or whatever. It's not just about you know, getting on to, onto the table and, and smashing the other guy and hmm. then going out for a few beers and a meal afterwards.
1: And, well, um, having that's a that's of what of I'm in it stuff. for. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, I'm the one getting uh, smashed literally on no. the table and afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We
0: won't go there. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a big part of what we're trying to do yep. as well and develop more club competitions. That's why I, I'm trying to sort of drive to have a bit more of a Closer relationship with WASPA because that, that encourages that yep. sort of
1: community. Uh, so, yeah. would would the uh, national open, so for example, let's just use our jurisdiction, so if Australia decided to have a national um, tournament, would that take the place of the open? Because as you said, it's, no, the, no, it's, it's the open it then Grand Prix uh, in, in that order, or, or would it be taking the spot of a Grand Prix?
0: No, no, it, it, would be, it would be additional. Oh, wow. Because the, the National Open would only be open to Australian.
1: Registered oh, fans. okay, yep.
0: Uh, and then the Grand Prix, you know, the guys from Singapore and the guys from Japan and, you know, Mike, you know some of the guys from Malaysia yep. still want to come down for, um, for a big event in Oz. Um, and uh, then, you know, the Grand Prix. So we wouldn't stage them together because it just becomes too, too you know, uh, cluttered in terms of a weekend, mm-hmm. but we would try to look at um, um, a dedicated weekend for uh, a national championship, both uh, individuals and teams, yep. and just sort of try and make it, um, uh, and also then has a little bit more uh, attraction in terms of media. Yeah? I know what it's like, the media are Desperate for, for uh, uh, stories about unusual things, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so them a bit of an
1: opportunity. Yep. Now uh, another thought that that, that comes to, to mind, particularly in my my own circumstances, when I, I travel, being that Perth is a is a distance away, the, the teams event. Is there any scope in the future for maybe? For, for want of a better phrase, a Barbarians team. I mean, you've mentioned that uh, the players coming, you know, all that distance from Malaysia. There's Antonio and his son coming from Hong Kong, um, you know, a couple of players coming from Japan who wouldn't be able to form a team because, as we know, we need four players, minimum of three, but four players, maximum of six, to form a team. Would it be possible to have... Like a barbarians uh, Type situation So Myself could uh, Could form a, a team With With maybe Michael Dent And Antonio And, and his son and, and then that becomes A team Rather than t- Missing out on that uh, That opportunity And then allowing more games To be played At that particular uh, uh, Category Yeah that's, that's
3: definitely I mean it's already
0: allowed The only thing is That Teams You know Those sort of fixed uh, teams Can't qualify through to the the you know the final round. Yeah, no. We're looking at we're looking at changing that so that you then had a you know um, the the mechanics of how we would do it. But we're looking at that as an option so that you know that team would then be um, formalised so that there would be a you know uh, a, a, a barbarians Australia and. Then it would enter into the world ranking, so it could vary. Mm-hmm. There have to be strict rules about oh, it, or sure. so otherwise, you, know, you, you you could know. suddenly just get, you know, Fabrizio <laughs> <or Elio laughs> yeah, and whatever.
1: Carlos Flores, and, and, and go, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah. Yo, so we, we've the, just won, you beauty!" Yeah, of course you did. You got a couple of yeah. World Cup winners in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's it's very much uh, something that's been discussed because there is always this balance between people wanting to have, um, you know, the best. Available matches, yeah, but also having enough matches. Yeah, um, yep. that's that's a uh, that's always a balancing act, with, especially for organisers.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, um, it was just me putting on the the, the old um, you know, the personal hat. You you know for yourself that when Cebidio uh, Perth brought over a team for the Asian tournament in Melbourne, there was only three of us, and that, that was down to to the cost factors, as as amongst other things. And and straight away we're you know we're four footing one of the games and really doesn't give us any any incentive to um, well I won't say try but y- you know you you're gonna you know three and done
0: yeah and and there's also been some thought about how to do that we we already have a system in in, uh, in place called loan transfer yeah can, can you explain that to
1: our listeners please
0: well so Currently, I mean, believe it or not, people transfer between clubs. I always found it highly
1: amusing. <laughs> well, yeah, no. uh, S- some of us form the our own clubs.
0: <laughs> but what happens is that, you know, some of, the, some of the, especially some of the Italian clubs have got some pretty good sponsorship. Yep. There was a, a, a club in Milan. They really started this off in the 90s. Uh, and they were sponsored by Stella Artois. So that was Stella Armatois Milano. And basically, they went to the one of the guys there and said, OK, who are the best players in Europe? And they signed up five or six of the guys who were world champions, European champions, and created a super team. Um, now, that team is the, um, is the critical word because they were never a club.
1: No,
3: yeah,
0: they were never a club how, how we think of it. Like when we get together on a Monday night, and we sort of we get together and we play. These guys would only ever meet each other when they're going to big tournaments. So they ended up. We ended up with a system where you can have transfers, there's a transfer window, and all that of stuff. But then we realised there's a lot of guys travelling around the world now for work. You people like John Ho, um, some of the guys in, uh, from Singapore. He was living in France for a yep. number of years. Uh, um, guys from America. Yep. So we said.
1: You, our very own Greenie from, uh, from Stockholm. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, so we've said if, if, if you want to, you don't have to. If you want to do, you could apply for this little loan transfer. So for, a, for a three or four month period while you're on transfer to this country, you could apply to transfer to that, to a club nearby so you can play in the club events. And it's been taken up a few times. Um, um, and it's, uh, it's uh, one of those things, and you can only do it once. So the idea is that yeah, you don't want to be doing it as sort of a, a, a way around the rules.
1: Yeah, so and, w- when uh, I win that lotto, I won't be able to <laughs> loan transfer my way around the world.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. So we didn't want that to happen. <laughs> Damn um, it! <laughs> and, at, and at first we were thinking that uh, we'd just limit it to people outside Europe. But then, you know, some people said, well, there could be some European guys yeah. who want to go it. Live in and work in Japan or Australia for a while, Mm -hmm. why should they be limited? So, no one's, you know, as I said, COVID came along and kicked that to touch. Um, But um, it's something that might happen. Uh, And so now we're looking at an additional thing, which is like maybe a special transfer for a period, but it may only relate to players in a certain ranking
1: or, you know, I don't know, the mechanics of it is. Still got to be worked through. Yep. Okay, so Steve, uh, I noticed that um, the the Sydney community is is back up and running. How, how's that going to go? Oh, go. Wash,
0: wash your mouth out. Don't hex us. We haven't started yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, <laughs> going no, no, it's going no, to be well, Monday night. Yep. We're going to have our our first club night. Um, um, we, we're in a local bowling club. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, they're fantastic. Willoughby Park Bowling Club. Um, they uh, they've been fantastic to us. They let us store all of our gear there. Um, they let us use the facilities. We we pay a, a nominal fee. Um, more importantly, it's got a licensed bar and they've now got a restaurant, so um, we can we can access that place. And um, so we're going there on Monday. So hopefully we'll have at least eight or nine players, which is not bad for a sort of a, a, a kickoff.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, now we've been but, get, we've been getting that quite regularly at uh, at uh, 22 Titchburn Street, Coburn Central. Come on down tomorrow. Kick off at uh, half past eight. Yeah, we've been getting at least that, that many players, minimum of six now, which is excellent for for our club. Um, and in case those listeners out there didn't know, Subidio Perth were voted the Waspa Top Club for 2021. Has that uh, award ever been uh, won by an Australian club before, Steve? Um,
0: I. Um, no, I don't think. I think we've uh, some of the Aussie clubs have won. I think we Northern Falcons won top junior club. Yeah, yeah. Um, one year, and and um, and
1: Benji's uh, or oh, Benny's Western Table Flickers are, are quite highly ranked in the in the juniors as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when we had we had about six or so uh, young guys, unfortunately, a lot of them were based around the the German School in Sydney and right. most of their parents are here sort of like two or three years on, on secondment yep. for different firms, and then they all go home, and then we, in one fell swoop we lost, you know, five of the players, so uh, which is pretty distressing. But
1: Was that when was Herman left? And, sorry, sorry, mate, was that when Herman left?
0: Yeah, Herman left, but not only Herman, there were two or three other boys. whose parents you know, went to different... Um, different positions in, you know, in uh, back in Germany, so, you know, they went home. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's now a a, um, a, um, a target to try and build these numbers back up. It's, it's quite difficult without Subutio being sold in the shops, you know, yep. no matter what, you know, it still helps to have the game in bricks and mortar stores.
1: Oh, exactly right. Um, can you uh, uh, remind our listeners what the, the Junior Rangers are?
0: Um, there's an under-12 event,
1: yep. unbelievably. For boys uh, and girls?
0: Domina- dom- yeah, dominated by the Italians of the street.
1: is <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and then there's under-16. So step up from from 12
1: to 16. Yeah, there's, there's, there's under-12, and yep. then you go to
0: the under-16. Right. And then there's an under-20 event. Right. And then... After the twenties, it's open. Then there's the old tragedy event, also known as
1: veterans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my favourite. And then then
0: there's a a women's event as well. So, um, and yeah, we've got some really some of the some of the the girls uh, women who are playing in that event. Yeah, there's some really talented players there. Um, uh, But I don't think we're doing enough to sort of attract uh, the, the. girls to be playing mm. um, yep. and, 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 it, and it's quite a controversial thing. Uh, I know the Italians um, the Italian clubs, table, table football clubs um, do a little bit of work with uh, uh, local football clubs. So they'll do demos on the day. So like you gotta set up a couple of tables and did something with Perth Glory play. Yep. But what we're finding and the Italians have said to us that they get a much better return when they do things with uh, schools and with uh, coaching clinics, mm-hmm. but or, or, or youth clinics, not so much coaching clinics. Because when you're doing things with football, you're kind of competing with the club for the, the, the player's allegiance, if, if that makes sense. No, it does. We had a, a
1: couple of players that um, the, the parents were, were keen to play with Subiaco Perth, but the uh, the kids were still playing junior football, and they just couldn't commit because of that—that that doubling up yeah. of, the, of the time frames.
0: Absolutely. So, we are, we, we've we've got um, uh, one of our guys here. He does he does something with his—he's a teacher at uh, one of the schools, and he does uh, he set up um, table football as a lunchtime activity. Yeah, mm. and he guy got over forty kids playing in the. Uh, their lunchtime competition. They've got a colour house competition, the whole lot. He's been reluctant to sort of get them involved too much in the sort of the wider community. He wants sort of them to make the next step yeah, rather than him yep. pushing them. But I've been approached by my alma mater to, to do something similar. Excellent. So um, um, that's, that's the next step for us to get a few sort of uh, schools doing it. Um and um uh, I've been also been approached by a girls' school up on the Sydney North Shore to do something, but again, you know, that was uh, I was approached by the sports master in in February of twenty twenty and then
3: yeah,
0: well we know what happened after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um uh, I have reached out to them and they're all very keen to, to do it. But it it's 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 the equipment. It's a bit like sort of sure. saying, Okay, we're gonna have a monopoly competition uh, and if you can't buy a set of monopoly, what do you do? Yeah,
1: um, yep, that's right. Yeah. Now, so, well, and that that was part of the the process of the uh, the Sports Table Football Club of Western Australia's foundation was more of a um, a training and, and and recruitment and education you know, just getting the, the sport out there. But as you say, without having it in actual bricks and mortar, they can see the the sport and go, wow, that's interesting. Where can I buy it from? Um, yeah, right. Uh, let me have a think. Give me your name and, yeah. and away we go from there. Steve, yeah, it's a um, conundrum that uh, that's going to continue for a, a short period of time uh, until we can get that uh, big bigger issue sorted out. Uh, we are running short of time. We've just seen uh, Len go past, so he's going to be starting up his... Um, uh, bags groove in about five minutes time. So we need to uh, say goodbye, and I'd like to thank you for taking out some time of your busy day to talk to Pete and myself, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at the, the next tournament when we're all safely able to do so.
0: No worries. Thanks for having me on. It's always all my there. pleasure,
1: Steve. You know that. Thank you very much, mate. ta Steve. Okay.
0: Cheers.
1: And that was Steve Detry, the International President of Subutio, or as it's known, the Federation of International Sports Table Football. So uh, for those that are interested, Pete's often said he is, <laughs> tomorrow morning at uh, 22 Tichborne Street, Coburn Central. It's at the um, Elite Cricket uh, Training Facility, but we've got a, a, a building off to the side of that. Uh, we'll be playing Subutio Purse monthly tournament which is held every third sunday of the month so regardless what that date is if it's the third sunday get on down to 22 titchbourne street kickoff is normally about half past eight but you know with the old buggers that we are we tend to have a bit of a chat all three so kickoff can be stretched back to about nine
2: and how long does it run for
1: uh well until the games are finished so depending on the numbers uh usually finishes around about uh, two Two thirty, okay. but uh, if we get uh, you know ten, twelve players, which we have on a on a few occasions, it may stretch to about four o'clock. So it, it's basically like a tournament format, which really stretches your your powers of concentration.
2: Yep. And if you've never played before, you can just turn up and yeah, join yeah. yeah. In. You don't need to wear any special boots or shin guards or <laughs>
1: well, only if you're playing me. You Finger need, guards. You or... need earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, no. All equipment is uh, is available and supplied. And as I say, the, the the club that I formed, the Sports Table Football Club of Western Australia, is is down for that, so that you can uh, actually ease your way in. Subidio Perth is a is a more of a competitive nature. And as Steve was saying, there's uh, a few times where players are a little reluctant to jump straight into into that sort of on competition whereas um, again if you want to text uh, Subedio to uh, the Sports Table Football Club which is 0439 uh, I'm more than happy to bring down the 7 side pitch and show you how it all works and as I say all equipment and training is supplied there but if you're happy enough rock on down to, to the clubhouse and uh, say hello to the guys we won't buy it <laughs> um, we will yell but we won't buy it <laughs>
2: um, just before we go, go it would be seriously remiss of us to yes. announce um, it's officially been declared Diego Castro is leaving the glory. So, no, no,
1: Pete. What, what, you know, oh, that's right. You were at the Oktoberfest. We had Tony Sage on last week telling yep. us exactly that. Oh, the, re- the press
2: release has been out Yeah, now the
1: rest so, of the world yeah. found out uh, four days later, but we knew last Sunday, uh, Saturday.
2: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. He's off. He's had uh, a total of 146 appearances for the glory. Oh, uh, champion. 49 goals. Yeah, uh, he's appeared for us in the A League Finals, the A League, the FFA Cup, and the Asian Champions League. So, yep. um, legend of
1: the game, and and, and arguably, so some people say, one of the the best, if not the best, import to Evergrace South Shores.
2: I I'd say so. Um, and he didn't seem to slow down either. I, there no. was a few times in the last couple of years, I thought at the start of the season, oh, you know, surely he's getting on a bit now, but. Yep. I no, no, and, still- and, and
1: again, it was yeah. just down to family reasonings that uh, because of the, the pandemic, and from what Tony was saying, if if there wasn't any any such thing as COVID, he'd he'd be more than happy to turn up again. Yep. I mean, he, he he was eligible for uh, citizenship, but yep. as Tony said, you know, Diego being Diego, he took things at his own pace, <laughs> and. Um, and we would have been able to have Sturridge and Castro in the same side because Sturridge is obviously the international, but uh, Castro would have been an Australian citizen, which takes him out of that. I mean, obviously, still the marquee player that he was, but, yeah, it would have been the excitement of those two. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But, yeah, it was just down to family reasonings, and um, he was quite up front. Tony was very happy – well, not very happy, but um, happy with the communication between the the two parties and – yeah, we wish him all the best. The, the funny question that was asked to me is, do you think you'll find another club? I'm going, <laughs> Barcelona could do with him. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's us uh, done for the day. So thank you very much for, for listening. And I do apologise for those technical issues that uh, occurred way back, way back when. I, was, I don't uh, think
2: anyone even noticed, so we're all good.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to, you know, have nightmares about that for the next <laughs> Next couple of days, but I, I realised what I did wrong and uh, thank you to those that uh, were sending in those lovely messages Go press that one, press that one, press this one. <laughs> you
2: know <laughs> I, who you are.
1: You know who you are. I worked it out. Thank you very much. It's one of the few things I could work out. So thank you very much for tuning in to the World Football Program on 107.9 Radio Fremantle. We hope to have your company again next week and until then, stay safe and have a wonderful weekend.
0: Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.